Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have small discussion with experts, thought leaders, and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, a big pleasure to have Adam Posner with me. Hi, Adam. Good afternoon. How's it going, my man? Thank you. It's really an outstanding for me, an outstanding opportunity to have time with you. I know that your time is really, really important. And therefore, let's don't lose time. In, in the US, you are very well known. You are growing business, a great business. You are a great podcaster. You have you. a lot of extremely important guys on your podcast. But in Europe, you are not yet so known. Could you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. First and foremost, thank you so much for inviting me onto your show and hello to your audience and those that I have not met yet. My name is Adam Posner. I am the founder and president of NHP Talent Group. We are a boutique talent access consultancy here based in New York. What does that mean? I'm a recruiter. I connect opportunity to talent. Uh, we operate in the marketing, media, and advertising space. So I work with a lot of startups, a lot of small brands, and small agencies to help them find the best possible talent in the market for their companies. We take a lot of pride in working very closely with those companies as a consultant, as a true partner, and not being seen as a vendor. And I think that's a big problem with the dynamic in recruiting right now, that we're, it's not a commodity. We are really working with these companies to understand their unique value props and finding the best talent that really aligns with it. It's really, uh, it, it sounds simple, but it's quite complicated. And I think what you are saying, it's extremely important because these talents are then the people working in a company and then creating value for the company. And therefore, it's extremely important uh, in order that people get a bit better understanding of you. NHP. I know what it means. Could you please explain that? Yes, absolutely. So the, the letters here behind me, NHP, these are, these are my daughter's initials, Nina Harrison Posner. And when it came time for me to name my company, um, I was sitting there with my wife and, and I was like, oh, coming up with all these crazy names, like, should I call it like star talent, rocket hiring, like all these kind of cliche names. And nothing was feeling good to me. Nothing was feeling good in my heart. And my wife said, well, what's the most important thing in, in your life to you? What is, you know, what is your North Star? What is your compass? What is your everything? What I talk about a lot. And this is before my son was born. I said, of course, it's my daughter, Nina. And it was like, it was just there for me, NHP Talent Group. So uh, name the company after her. And one of these days, my, my three-year-old son is going to get a little bit older and he's going to realize that uh, nothing's named after him. And he's going to say, daddy, Why is there nothing named after me? I'm going to be like, shit, I got to find something for that. I got to, I got to build a new company. Um, and just to, to backtrack there, just so everyone knows, uh, also, I am the host of the podcast, uh, which is a top global career podcast where I get to interview amazing folks from the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship and unpack their career journeys and share it with everyone else. So that's my hobby, as I like to call it, but it's more than a hobby because it does drive a lot of business for NHP Talent Group. So one big circle here. I think you already decided, Adam, that you need to re rename the podcast to the, to the name of your son. <laughs> yeah, he'll get something else. Well, his name, he has a great name. I mean, his name is Oliver. And I, I, I foresee maybe a holding company, the Oliver Group, which will have all the other companies underneath it. But that's, that's a few years down the line. 
<laughs> Thank you very much. And I think you mentioned your uh, your podcast, and you are always uh, speaking about Tennessee. And I think this is something that also represents you and what you are doing and what you are creating. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Tenacity is 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 not just a word. It's something that we all have inside, and some of us have it in extreme high levels, and some of it it's 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 stuck down inside, and it comes out when we need it. It comes out when we're at our lowest and we need to pull ourselves up. It comes out as a fire to keep us burning and moving forward, but it really is that drive. It's that fire. It's that engine inside of you that keeps you going and yearning for more to do better, to give, to be the best that you can be. And it's a word that I've really um, attached myself to because it really is everything for me. So, you know, prior, you know, my story, and I'm not going to go back and repeat it too much, but, you know, my first 15 years of my career were spent working in advertising and marketing here in New York City. I went from job to job. I worked at ad agencies. I worked at big corporations like American Express, uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio. And I was always just kind of going through the motions. I was doing what I needed to do. But it wasn't until I pivoted careers into the world of recruiting. And it wasn't even further until I pivoted into my own business where I really needed to harness that tenacity. Because as I always say, when you own your own business, you eat what you kill. And if you don't kill anything, you're not eating and your kids aren't eating. I mean, it really comes back down to nature, right? If that papa and mama lion are not out there in the, in the, in the, you know, the fields killing, their kids aren't going to eat. And it's the same thing with business and they need that tenacity. I really like this example. And I remember, well, uh, in July 2015, you started your company. And in the meantime, you have also your, uh, your first employees, full-time employees. Uh, what's your vision? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, I actually launched, um, I, I pivoted into recruiting in 2015. I worked for a couple of search firms, but NHP Talent Group wasn't born until August of 2017 coming upon my four-year anniversary. Um, and it's been a, a journey. It's been a journey into understanding what it means to be a business owner, creating a business, having a vision. But what it really comes down to for me, the vision is I want to create an organization, a product, an offering that really takes the best of everything that I've experienced over my 20, 20 years as a professional in the workforce, working for amazing leaders. But I also want to be very cognizant about not falling back or falling into any of the negative things that I've seen during my career. I've worked for bad bosses, shitty companies, bad situations, and I don't want to create that. So really the vision is around creating a company that I'm proud of. I'm proud to work for, that people are proud to work for, and that my clients are proud to partner with. Thank you, Adam. And uh, please do not misunderstand me. I am not a stalker, but if I have you as a guest, then I did some research. And That's what I'm, I do, man. I mean, stalk away. I mean, I do the preparation for my show. I'm going deep. I'm going as deep as I can, man. And uh, I, therefore, I'm asking this question and I'm trying to formulate it in, in a proper way. Um, the, in the last job, you, you got fired or you decided to leave because you were not doing your job. And I think you had one of the best bosses you could have. And, uh, and what was this experience working with him? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, for anybody who, who's not caught up on my story, my, my last full-time position, before I pivoted into the world of recruiting, I was working alongside Gary Vaynerchuk at VaynerMedia. I was a group account director. Um, And the way the story goes, I mean, honestly, I, I was at a different point in my life. I was a different person than I am now. And a couple of things. First and foremost, I did not do what they hired me to do. Plain and simple. On the flip side of it, too, to be fair, you know, there was elements of the company where I was not set up for success. So it was kind of a perfect shitstorm where it just didn't work out for me. Wasn't the right time. Wasn't the right place. I wasn't in the right headspace. And I got fired. 
I didn't choose to leave. I got like, I got fired because ultimately it's a business and I wasn't doing what I needed to do and they had to let me go. But, uh, you know, as the story goes, uh, on the day that I got let go, I sat with Gary, uh, for about an hour. Um, we have a pretty close relationship and, you know, he said the most important words of advice to me. Uh, he said, stop focusing on the things that you suck at and double down on your strengths. That's what I did pivoted into the world of recruiting and I have not looked back. And I think I have the first tweet from from this discussion. What what you said, it's 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 really great. Thank you very much for sharing your story because it's not always so easy to to say I was fired. But I think uh, you you went over and now you're successful with your own business and with your strengths. Absolutely. But let's talk, let's talk about that for a moment because I be, I actually have been talking like this for a little bit. It took me almost a little over a year to change the conversation with folks from saying that I left Vayner till I got fired. And once I changed the dynamic to got fired and opened up and had that vulnerability to share that, everything opened up in my life. It's amazing. It was really like almost like unlocking a key because I took ownership at that point of my loss. Owning your loss, owning your mistakes, not blaming it on other people, not blaming it on situations. Be like, you know what? That's all on me. I had control over that situation. I could have kept my job if I did things differently. Of course, there were external factors. I could blame this situation. I could blame that. But you know what? Ultimately, it comes down to me not doing what I was hired for, and I got fired. So once I changed that dynamic from being, I left, I quit, I didn't want to be there any longer, to, hey, I got fired, everyone's like, you know what? I, I've been fired before. I've been in a situation at a, at, a, at a bad job that didn't work out, and I was able to attract the right people to me in the conversations, and everything opened up. The whole world opened up to me. No, I think this this is great, and uh, you can also say that you are the, one of the top fifteen uh, fi firings of of Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's important. Yeah, it was it's it's a funny one too. And I called when he was on my podcast a few weeks back. I called him out on that. I'm like top fifteen, and you're a sports guy. Have you ever seen like top 15 plays or top 15 midfielders? Right, like that's never the conversation. It's always top 10 or top five. So it's kind of a funny thing I have with Gary there. I'm like, top 15. I'm like, where the hell do you come up with that? Then you, you should think that you are in the top five. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, joke by side. The last thing about you, and then perhaps we, we can deep dive on, on, on the recruiting. Adam, uh, could you please also share your three piece with us? Because I think this is really, really, really interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for asking. And, and I truly believe in these three P's, which are patient, polite, persistence. And these are really the three P's that I've, I've built my career around. The first one is patience, the long game. I think in this day and age, so many people are out there for instant gratification. This fast food culture of me, 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 transactional. I need to see the likes. I need to see instant results. And it really comes down to playing the long game. All of my success is predicated on 20 years of building relationships the ability to stay connected with my first boss from 20 years ago and have a relationship with her, the ability to reach back to people that I've done business with over the last 20 years and have those relationships that are opening up doors for me now. Patience. Patience is everything. Play the long game and reap the results. Polite. It's about doing things the right way. I say a lot that everyone talks about the why. You know, Simon Sinek's why, why, why. I'm actually a bigger believer in the how. It's the how you do things, how you go about living your life, how you go about treating other people, how you go about nurturing relationships. How do you give back? Big believer in the how. Persistence. That's a tenacity. Following through, sticking through things, not giving up after the first time. Put those three P's together and you'll be set up for success. 
thank you, Adam. And uh, elaborating a bit on what you are saying, perhaps these three Ps or four Ps, the three that you mentioned to you with Posner as your family, are these yes. your values? And therefore, you are already focused on the how because you know the why. Yeah, I'll, I'll, add, a, I'll add a fourth P in there. We'll, we'll figure something else. <laughs> no, uh, th thank you very much for this great introduction. Um, co coming really to, to the recruiting topic. And often, at least in Europe, if we are speaking about recruiters from outside, they are not very well seen because it's uh, somebody coming, signing somebody, giving that to, to, to a company and say, now help yourself. Uh, how are you doing it in a different way? Yeah, so recruiting, generally speaking, the recruiting industry has gotten a bad reputation. And the problem is, it's very similar to you think about car salesmen or lawyers. It's always those bad ones, those few bad apples that spoil the bunch for the yeah. rest of them. But generally speaking, in my experience, recruiters really care. And we don't just care about the money. Of course, the money helps. That's why we're in this profession. But the really good recruiters, we really care about the relationship. We care about helping a company find the best talent or helping an individual find the best job. And I want to be very clear on something here too. And we're talking about third-party recruiters. We're not talking about internal recruiters. We work for the company. We work for the client. We do not work for the candidate. Yes, I'm empathetic to the candidate. Yes, I care about the candidate experience. Yes, I want to listen to you and understand your career journey and everything. But at the end of the day, and this is going to be very blunt, and I want everyone to understand this, the client pays our bills. We want to find the best talent for them. And I think that dynamic and not speaking enough about that publicly is adding to a lot of this, you know, BS on social media about recruiters. Who's paying your bills? Who's buttering your bread? Let's be real about it. Let's have a real conversation about that. Of course, it comes back to your how. How do you manage that relationship? How do you not ghost people? How do you close a loop on that communication? And that's where it comes down to the two core pieces that I wanted to talk about earlier, managing expectations, a core fundamental pillar of successful account management, whether you're doing recruiting, advertising, sales, managing expectations, making sure that that client knows what's happening, what's not happening, and why. Critical. Candidate, managing their expectations. Hey, listen, I don't have any feedback from your interview yet because the, the, the person you interviewed with is away. They're busy, but they did tell me that they will get back to us in a few days. Understanding that. And another core concept that I preach, under promise, over deliver. Under promise, over deliver. So many people, young in their career, long in their career, they're very quick to be like, no, no, no worries. I'll get you that in, 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 in two hours, three hours. And then all of a sudden it's five hours, six hours, a day later. Versus saying, you know what? I'm working on this. I'll get it to you as soon as possible. I'll get it to you as soon as I, I can. And guess what? If I get it to him in an hour, over delivering but I'm not setting myself up for failure by overpromising. I really like this new concept. And this is our fundamental. So many people fail at this, dude. Uh, yes. And think about that. It's in the in customer experience. It's exactly the same managing customer expectation. And uh, if you can over uh, under promise and oversell, then they will, they will be with, with you quite long because then you are an happy customer. It's such a fundamental concept. And um, going back to, to my first hire, you mentioned that earlier, very proud of this. Uh, Kevin Logan Jr., um, a, a really feisty, energetic, uh, fantastic recruiter because he does things the way I do, but he also does things differently in his own way. And that's something I wanted to do when I started my company. I wanted to, I wanted to bring people on 
who have skills and expertise that I may not, and that complement, that could add to it. I don't want 10 atoms of the same people. I value his creativity. I value his approach to reaching out to candidates, his style. And that's what I wanted. And that's why it was important for me when I made that first hire. But he does have something in spades that I have is tenacity. He has a fire. And that's what I look for when I hire people. People that just get it. People that just go for it. That people that just do it. And I'll always give somebody the benefit of the doubt when I hire them. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them as much rope as they need. And you know what? If they stumble, if they make mistakes, that's okay. As long as you're not costing me the business. And if they do, that's on me for giving them that much room. I really like that because you are sharing the basics, values with him, but you are uh, supporting and pushing for diversity. Because if you have 10 Adams, then you can. You are the best at what Adam is, is good, but you need also to manage all the stuff. And, and a lot of people, you know, we, you know, we're not going to go deep into diversity and all, that, and all that stuff from that angle. But for me, a big part of diversity in any company is diversity of mindset, diversity of thoughts, diversity of, uh, of, of approaches and point of views and backgrounds. It's not always about skin color. It's not always about sexual orientation. It's about up here, diversity of minds. Let's talk about that more. Exactly. And I, I love that because you mentioned that you mentioned that uh, skin color and, and in Europe now the big discussion is about gender. We need to have uh, more uh, women in sea level. Yes, we need that. But important is what is inside uh, of, of the head of the people and what they are thinking and how they are thinking if you want to have long lasting relationship with your customer and at the end, uh, long lasting business success. Uh, Perhaps also uh, based on, on what you're sharing. It means you work for companies, it's clear because this is your mandate, they are paying uh, your bills and they are ensuring your futures. How can you ensure to get the right insights, the right information from the company in order to hire the, the right people for this company? Yeah, there's a couple of things here. One is the intake call. And if we want to get technical here on, on recruiting, it's really about that those first couple of phone calls. First and foremost, after the formalities, after you get your contract signed, it's really understanding the company, because that's a point of differentiation. We want to be a consultant. And I always say, whether an internal recruiter or a third-party recruiter, that recruiter is the future employee's first touch point with an organization. And you want that to be a great experience. You want that conversation to be deep as possible, be able to talk about the culture, be able to talk about the teams, be able to talk about the hiring process. Again, managing expectations. That first conversation, it's going to be something like this. Let me tell you a little bit about the interview process. It's going to be a four-step process. You're going to speak to this person, this person, this person. You might have to speak to a couple of people here and there because you're not coming into an office. So just un they understand the expectations. And it really comes down to you know, that recruiter being able to represent the company, their values, and be able to answer the right questions. Um, and, and I think that's really what's critical is that first intake call to understand that. And then obviously really understanding the role, not just the hard skills, because anybody, any recruiter, any monkey could look at a job description and be like, all right, you need X, Y, Z, one, two, three. But what is it going to take to be successful in this role with this team? Is this a high-flying, really fast-moving team that operates really quickly, a lot of ambiguity. You know, it's okay to ask questions, but you got to figure stuff out on your own. Or is it going to be the type of role where we're going to give you a long runway? We go slow here, we figure things out, and not everybody is meant for each one of those. And it's okay. You don't have to be everything for everybody. But understanding what that is and being able to communicate that to the candidate, that's everything.
And and um, and I think this is this is exactly the key. You, if you are external consultant or internal, it's always and I know it's a generalization, but you are hiring people for the mindset, how they are thinking, how they are working, and not for the art skills that they have. Because I can learn programming, I can learn to be an accountant, but important it, it's what inside. And perhaps also from your side, from the recruiter side, what you are looking in candidates when you when you want to do this match. Yeah, it's tough because not everybody's a good interviewer. And that's why the interview process is is crazy because you may have somebody who's absolutely amazing at everything that you need there, but they're a terrible interviewer. So it's really, it's a lot of gut instinct on a, on a recruiter's part to see if maybe someone's a little nervous, they're not answering the questions the right way. But there is a common thread that I think regardless if you're a good interviewer or not, it's curiosity. It's being inquisitive. Are you asking good questions during the interview. Do you actually give a shit? Pardon my French. I don't know if you want me to curse. Pardon my English. <laughs> Are they asking the right questions on the interview? Do they really want to understand the role? Are they really interested? Are they just wasting time? You know, are they just going through the motions? Maybe they don't like their job. Maybe, you know, and all right, Adam reached out to me about this job. Let me, let me speak to him for half an hour. Let me see what this is all about. But it comes down to being inquisitive, being curious and asking the right questions because that's a tremendous trait. So think about it. If someone's on an interview and they're asking the right questions, when they go into the job, they're going to ask the right questions to help that company grow. They're going to ask the right questions to understand what their job is once they're in the role so they can be better. They may not be shy about it, but they're upfront and they're going to ask good questions. Absolutely. I think you, you have quite a lot of crazy story to share and, and therefore perhaps to deep dive without sharing names. And, Do you have an, an example, your best hire for a company? Oh man, I mean, that, that, that's a tough one. I mean, I've, I've had such amazing ones. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of flip that around a little bit. <clears throat> and I just want to say for everyone out there, um, a lot of people think they could jump into an interview with no preparation and not do anything. And that is the biggest mistake that you can make. Because a lot of people are like, I'm not really interested. I'm not really looking. And all of a sudden they jump onto an interview. They're like, holy, holy cow. I like what I'm hearing here. I like this opportunity, but they didn't prepare for it. And then when it comes down to the questions, when it comes down to learning more, they're not prepared. So I think that is a huge mistake. I think you take a few minutes. There's nothing worse, man. If, if I get on the phone with somebody and I'm like, oh, so, so what, what interests you about this? Did you even look at the website? And they go, I didn't have time. It's not that you didn't have time. It's that you didn't care. All of us could find five minutes in a day, whether it's on the train, whether it's in your house, whether it's when you're making breakfast, when you, whether it's when you're in the bathroom. Let's be real about this. When you're in the bathroom for five minutes, you can look at the website. It means you don't care. And that's a big thing there. Um, when it comes down to my greatest hire, th this is a really tough one because I think there's so many uh, pieces there. And I don't think I could really call out one specific hire, but I'll tell you what I love to see. I love to see on LinkedIn when I get updates about somebody that I placed in a job getting promoted or celebrating a work anniversary, being there for a couple of years, that's everything to me. I love that. That, that for me is the best hire. And it means also you care about people. And, and exactly if you care about the job or a discussion, you prepare that because it's exactly the same what I did only for this podcast with you. Sorry for using the only. I prepared quite a lot of questions. Oh, sorry. You cannot... <laughs> I was like, it disappeared. But let me tell you about preparation. And I do the same thing for my show. I put in a lot of work. I was a guest on somebody's show a couple of months ago. And <laughs> it was so funny. So we start talking, start going through the interview. And I could tell immediately that this person did not do any preparation. And I felt bad for them. They were talking to me about the podcast, but they had no idea about my day job that pays the bills. And I was like, holy cow, like 
All you have to do is look at my LinkedIn profile, my about section. It's all there. And they didn't do the preparation and it showed. And it really kind of upset me. It said that like, you're wasting my time. Sure. If you're not putting in the work and respecting your guests, respecting your client, respecting the interviewer, respect other people's time, man. I mean, that's everything. Time is time, time, right? Time is the one thing that we cannot create. We cannot duplicate that we all have the same of, and it's a commodity. And if you waste someone's time, it's an insult. Exactly. And uh, perhaps the last question on, on, on the recruiting and I like the, the, the crazy stories. Uh, what was your worst hiring? Uh, it's actually interesting. It was actually my first ever placement as a recruiter. So <clears throat> anybody in recruiting is interesting. They know as a contingency-based recruiter, there's a guarantee period. It could be 30, 60, 90 days. Sometimes in Europe, it's six-month guarantee. Sometimes in the States too. Meaning if a candidate quits gets fired within that time period, you either have to replace a candidate or you give a refund. So my first ever placement, and I'm not going to talk about the company, the client, the candidate, or the name, but it was a 90-day guarantee period and 85 days in. And plus, remember this, if you don't hit that guarantee period, you're not getting your commission. 85 days in, I get a call from the client saying, hey, unfortunately, we had to let this person go for suspected drug use. My first placement. And I was like, can, can you tell me the drug? Like, <laughs> I mean, was he smoking a little weed or was it like hardcore intravenous drugs here? Like, what are we talking about? And do you have proof? But they said it doesn't matter. It violated their policy and they had to let this person go. So I learned on my first ever placement what it really meant to be a recruiter and how fragile that deal really is. So that's, that's my first horror story. I mean, I have so many others. I mean, I have, I have stories about, um, you know, a really big placement that I made a couple of years back, a really big one. It was like a three, $350,000 salary. The person was ready to start on a Monday and I get a call Sunday night that the person's uh, husband, uh, fiance uh, proposed to them and that they have to move out of state away from the job. Yeah. Whoosh, commission out the window commission. That's a, that's like a knife right in the side yes. right here. Yeah. I was like, Oh, congratulations. And screw you. <laughs> Shit. Sorry for, for this. No, I had, I had like, of course you're happy for the person, right? But like, it's my business, my livelihood. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate this discussion. I could ask uh, 200 additional questions, but I evaluate also your time. And, and therefore, let, let's go to the last part of this discussion. And normally I ask a different question or my usual question, but if you are here, then I, I would like to use your questions. And the first one, and I know that it's not the perfect uh, definition, but what is the single great piece of advice that you are taking action every day. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And it's not going to be something, you know, all heady. It's very tactical. And this advice came, came to me from my recruitment mentor, a gentleman by the name of Tom Hall, who gave me my first chance in recruiting, who taught me the art and science of recruiting. And on my first day of being a recruiter, pivoting into a new job, a new career at age 35, before I even turned my computer on, before I even reached out to my first candidate, my first client, he said to me, every day when you start your day, plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. And I repeat this to myself every single day. And what that means is every single day, I'm going to have a clear focus of what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm going to be locked in. And for me, I keep it old school. Tactically, I use a notepad. I use my notes on my phone or I use my post-it notes here. And I go through my list. And I know if I accomplish 
75% of the things on that list, so to speak, it's going to be a good day. Of course, things happen. Other things happen. But I'm focused. I know what I'm doing. And it's not a wild goose chase. I'm focused. And I know what I'm doing. And I'm determined. So plan your work. Work your plan. And stay focused. Eye on the prize. Thank you, Adam. The next question normally asks about uh, work-life balance, but in your case, I'm phrasing it also a bit differently, and it came from one story that you that you mentioned, and I'm sure you, you can remember that. Uh, you are really keen to grow your business. You are you have your podcast. This is an outstanding podcast, but you have also family, and you want to be present with your family. How can you how can you ensure that when you are with your family, you are present and there? Yeah, I've been working on this a lot. And I asked the same question to Gary Vaynerchuk, who is one of the most in-demand human beings on the face of the planet. And he said, it's practice. It comes down to practice. And there's times when I'm great at it. Like I have some house rules in my house and there's no electronics at the dinner table. When we're eating meals, the phones are away. The phones are not even in my pocket. The phones are on the side there. Um, but it takes a lot of practice and it comes down to discipline of being present, being there, putting your phone away, being involved. And let me tell you something. My three-year-old boy is the most fun to play with, the creativity. And I want to be there for all of it. I don't want to miss any of that. Because before you know it, I, do you have children? Yes, one. How old? Four years old. We are creating continuously this paper flight. That's something that now it's focused on that. And oh, paper like, airplanes. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Paper airplanes. It's, uh, yesterday we created uh, something 10 or 12. <laughs> It's amazing. And, yes. you're flying, and you're flying them, but you don't want to miss that time because yes. they, they grow up so fast. My daughter's nine and I, and I look at her sometimes and she's just grown up and she still loves to play. She still loves her daddy time, but she's turning into, you know, a, a, a teenager and she has other interests and her friends. And, you know, you'll never get that, that daddy daughter time back. And I learned lessons with her and I don't want to repeat that with my son. And I want to be as present as possible for both of them. No, I think I fully agree with you. I am also doing uh, as an hobby this, this podcast, but this is um, the time that let's say I'm losing with him or I don't share, I'm not sharing with him. Right. And therefore I'm very focused when I'm doing them. And then I do all the, the after work in the night when exactly. he's sleeping, because then I can work without looking on the clock. It's 15 minutes. I need to go to him and, and have something with him. And, and that's what it comes down to. And, and I don't, I don't like the, the expression work-life balance, because it's not a balance. It, it's not a balance. It doesn't have to be even-even. It's about harmony. I replace the word balance with harmony. Being all in at the task at hand at that time. I'm going to be all in with my client work. I'm going to be all in on this podcast. I'm going to be all in with my family. Not being distracted, not by doing other things. And that comes with practice and discipline. It's not automatic. I fully agree with you because I'm I'm working at home due to pandemic and sometimes I'm focused on something and even if my wife is telling me something, I don't, I'm not hearing her. And that's not we're, because we're it's men. my wife. We're men, we're men, we're men. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not because it's my wife, but I'm so focused that I'm not hearing, it's not only, only noise behind me and therefore I continue working on, on what I'm doing. I, love it. <laughs> I fully agree. Is there a book or something like a podcast, perhaps not yours, that you are saying, this is something that I would like to share with the audience? I know that you are always saying that your podcast, the podcast is your masterclass, but perhaps you get also some other insight from books, podcasts from others. Yeah, I don't, I don't read as much as I used to. I really don't. And that's something I kind of miss. I need to get back to, um, you know, 
to, to decompress. I mean, I'll be honest. I love Netflix. I love reality TV shows with my wife. That's our time to laugh, to unwind. We're both very busy professionals. But for me, you know, what, what, what I look to really is, you know, it's true. It's, it's my podcast. I, I bring a lot of guests on that I want to learn from. And that's the way my, my osmosis, that's the way I pick up things. Um, but as far as a couple of shows I do listen to, I listen to Jordan Harbinger. He's got some tremendous guests on. I love his style, but I'm also inspired by him and how he interviews. I'm also, as I say, I don't know how big uh, you know Howard Stern is overseas. Howard Stern here in the States, one of the biggest interviewers, radio DJs for a long time. His interview style, that's something that inspires me. I listen to how he engages with the guests. That's something I want to replicate, to turn an interview into a conversation. Sure, I, I think this, that, that's that's really what I look to. I, I think this is this is key. Uh, coming to the end, um, if my audience would like to contact you, what's the best way? Oh, I love it! Absolutely, you could find me on LinkedIn at Adam J Posner. You could also find us at the NHP. It's nhptalentgroup.com, and you could check out the podcast at the podcast p o z dot com. The podcast dot com. Thank you. And I will share all the links also in the, in the, in the podcast notes. And the last two questions, that's your one, it's your question. And one, it's then my final question. Uh, Adam, what's your North Star, your compass that drive you in your life? <clears throat> you know, I talk about this all the time. Talked about it a little earlier with this behind me, but this is not just my daughter. This represents my, my entire family, my wife, my son, and my daughter. And they're everything for me. They're the reason I do because I want to be the best Adam to provide the best for them. And they drive me. They drive every decision I make. They're, they're, they're the, the impetus, the spark, the fire to keep me going. So my North Star, my compass is always my kids, my wife, setting a good example for them, providing, leading, growing, and enabling them to have the best life as possible. Thank you, Adam. And my very last question, that's Adam's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the, to the audience. No, that's, that's, that's a big one. And I, and I think it's, it's, it's get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, I've recently discovered Brene Brown, um, late to the game, I guess, but really discovered her. And it comes down to what really vulnerability is. And it's having the courage to be uncomfortable. The courage to step out, put yourself out there to try something new, be emotionally open, because that's the only way you're going to make a change. That's the only way you're going to make a difference. That's the only way you're going to be creative. And you don't want to have any regrets in life. You don't want to spend your entire life on the sideline. You want to be in the game. You don't want to be 80 years old looking back and be like, what if? What if I did that? Take chances. Take risks. Right. Like, like I, 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 I make myself smile sometimes when I think about some of the ideas that I have and I executed. I said, I'm going to build this office. I'm going to build a studio. And I did it. I said, I'm going to build a top podcast. And I did it. And I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to like beat my chest or anything. But those are the things that make me smile because I know that I set out on a goal and I accomplished it. And I did it for me. I did it for my family. Thank you, Adam. I'm not commenting your golden nugget because this was Adam's golden nugget. The only thing that I can say, it was a great pleasure to have you, on, you. on my podcast. Thank you, Adam. Gregor, thank you so much for having me, man.
Appreciate it. It was a great pleasure. And also to the audience, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did because it was outstanding to have Adam on, on this podcast. I achieved one of my yearly goals to have you on this, uh, on this wow, podcast. Wow, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on your fantastic host. And to your audience out there, please connect with me. Seriously, like reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love connecting with new folks, uh, especially overseas in Europe. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back there. Um, I have not been to Switzerland. I've been to a bunch of countries in Europe and Switzerland is definitely on our list. So if I head out there, I'm coming to you for show me a good time. Yes. And uh, you are invited for lunch. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!